So I've been reading up about this incredibly brilliant inventor, Uh patented over 250 things, had a photographic memory, and he loved pigeons. Ew. Oh my gosh, May, it's season two. What? Wait, that means we did a whole first season. Did we really do a whole first season? I don't remember it at all. There were 10 episodes? There were. My goodness, we've been doing this for a long time. Like five minutes. We're so experienced and professional. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome everyone to season two of Science French. I am Katie McKissick, aka Beatrice the Biologist. And I'm May Prince. And we're here to talk about things. Yeah. And you're here to listen to them, I hope. A whole new season of things. I hope you found this because you want to listen to it. (laughs) If you haven't, you have just no keep choice. Listening. Just keep it's listening. Fine. It's yes, fine. please. Today we're going to be talking about Nikola Tesla. <laughs> Nikola. He sounds so exotic. Yes. Uh, who I will call Nico. But before we get to my good friend Nico, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm going to be calling him, or I'll just shorten it further and further. We'll just call him Nee. You guys are BFFs. I yeah, get it. Obviously. Uh, before we get there, I was actually going to talk about peeing in space. Oh, I'm all in. What? <laughs> Tell us, please. This is important information it that we all the other need day. to know. It honestly came up the other day in a conversation with my friend. You guys, this is what it's like being friends with me, okay? <laughs> I, I can attest it to It seriously this. came up over just having iced tea one afternoon with my friend. <laughs> I don't even remember how. I'm sorry. Um, but for some reason, we were talking. I mean, maybe one of us just had to run to the bathroom. And I was thinking about how in space... The whole needing to pee reflex doesn't work because gravity is really important right. to that whole mechanism because it really is pressure sensors. Like your body has sensors. Like you can yeah. tell where your arms are in space because there are, there are sensory things happening. So you can tell that you need to pee because there are actually pressure sensors at the bottom of your bladder that when there's enough pee being held against them huh. by the force of gravity yeah. sets the sensors off. The same way that you, when you need to, to go number two, it's because there are pressure sensors in the, in the walls there too. It's like, you guys, there's some stuff here. You should probably like do something <laughs> about should, it. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, you should head to the toilet now. Um, so anyway, so, so that's your, so your pee, but it's, it's gravity. So it huh. has to be, be held down by something to set off the pressure so sensors. So if you walked around on your hands all day, you would also never feel, unless you were like completely full. Oh my God. It's too late. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, if you were upside down, I don't think you would need to pee. Hmm. I need to try So you got to be careful if you're upside down. So if you need to pee, just do a handstand in the corner. Like if you're in a, an important meeting, you can't leave. Yeah. Just, just make sure you don't pee while you're exerting yourself <laughs> right. to get into the handstand. Right. Watch out for that first oomph. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When your hands hit the floor, don't let that, <laughs> that jolt do anything. Strengthen those kegels, people. So, so in space... When you're in zero gravity, if you're on the space station, for instance, or you know, if we're going somewhere else, I don't know, people on their way to Mars, for instance. Mm-hmm. If you're on Mars, you're fine. But when you're on the way, <laughs> when there's no gravity, yeah, your pee, just like you know, water. If you've seen those videos of them yeah. on the International Space Station, water just forms like these really cool globs. Bubbles. Yeah, and just kind of floats around. So that's kind of what your pee is doing. I mean, not to that. There's not that much free space in your bladder, I hope. But you know, <laughs> but yeah. So it's not being held down by anything. So there's no the pressure sensors aren't being set off. Hmm. And so yeah, the only way that they would be is if it got so incredibly full that there was 
so many pressure on every wall that you know the bottom would be included in that and so right. then you'd be like oh my god but by that point i mean truly your bladder would be close to bursting if there's that much pressure that every single wall is receiving because it's so full that's terrible so you don't want to get to that point but at all so you just have to remember to go pee every once in a while even though you don't need to mm-hmm which, yeah, so I mean, even though you don't feel the, like you need to pee, if you go into the bathroom and pee, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, so there is some. Yeah. But yeah, so they, so astronauts have to remember to pee. Weird. Did they figure this out before they sent anyone into space? Or was it once they got there, they're like, hmm, I haven't peed since Tuesday. You know, I'm actually not positive about that. I would hope that because we do know that about pee and because they do put a lot of thought into the bodily functions and just the, mm-hmm. the human side of having to do this and what they're going to eat and how they're going to get rid of it. They probably did warn them, say, okay, you know, maybe set like a timer or something because yeah, you're not going to need to pee. Um, but it, so that's at least one of the solvable things about living up there. Like that's a pretty easy fix. There's mm-hmm. a lot of other weird bodily stuff. Like your eyes after a while, like aren't as, aren't as good. Like your visual acuity starts going down. We actually don't know why that happens. Oh, good. So, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so peeing in space is something you have to remember to do. Weird. So be grateful that your to-do list every day on Earth does not have to say pee, pee, pee reminders every couple of hours. Well, I'm going to set those anyway. <laughs> this is your phone's I, like... And when people ask, I'll be like, I'm training to be an astronaut. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Why does that timer keep going off? Oh, it's telling me that I need to pee. I'm just going to drive away the last few coworkers who still talk to me. <laughs> I will say if you want to learn more about uh, just sort of the human side of, of space exploration, um, Mary Roach's Packing for Mars is uh, something hmm. you should definitely read. She talks at length, of course, yeah. about eliminating wastes in space. Well, yeah, I was reading up a little bit on, you know, John Glenn and his mission. His He was the first American to orbit the Earth and all that stuff. And he was saying they uh, when they did the press conferences, you know, before his big missions, they were asking him all these questions about the physical exam that, he, that they all had to go through. And it was extremely thorough <laughs> <laughs> to the point where he's just kind of like, ha ha ha, like, I don't really want to talk. You Please know, don't ask me questions like about my jokes. junk anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think it was, I mean, I, that make, that's what makes me think, you know, maybe they did know about you know, all of the stuff that would yeah. happen because yeah. they were just constantly prodding and thinking about Well, it's funny to think it's someone's aspects. job to think about your junk in space. Yeah. That is someone's job, yeah. if not multiple people's jobs. Junk master. Yes. But my favorite anecdote from Mary Roach's book about uh, called Packing for Mars, because she just got all the transcripts of every, um, you know, crewed mission and like, every, you know, everything anyone has ever said in space you know and it's searchable it's not a so she could just like just she was just control effing her way through that document looking for insane <laughs> things and um so she she looked up i can't even imagine how many different words she would have had to look up because obviously they're not going to be saying poop every single time but she looked up every instance where something poop related happened <laughs> and there was really one time where um somehow again you're in zero gravity things are just floating around there was i i, I kid you not a very small piece of feces <laughs> floating around this just this this happens in real life on earth too and, like, and one of the guys is like oh come on <laughs> whose is 
that? <laughs> like, basically. And everyone's like, oh, it's not mine. <laughs> it's just like, the, it's like when you fart and someone's like, oh, someone claim it. It was like, but instead it's actually a piece of poop floating around. Oh. This very small space. <laughs> I can't even imagine. How, like, what, how did they capture it? Like, just like, oh, get a tissue, somebody. Like, this sounds like a book that fourth graders would really enjoy. <laughs> Again, I recommend it. Mary yeah, Roach yeah. is my favorite author. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Control F for, for poop and, and space documents. This woman yes. is our hero. Well, and that's the beauty of NASA. Everything is public record. Well, not yeah. everything, but, you know, it's part of the process is letting everyone know what's going on. So, oh, here's a searchable document of every word that has ever been uttered in low Earth orbit or on the Apollo missions. Go and search it. <laughs> Yay. So, Nico, tell yes. me all about him. All right. So... Before doing research on on Tesla, who I just I keep wanting to call Tesla, we always on this right. show we always call people by their first names mm-hmm. because it's brunch, it's informal, <laughs> but it's a brand name at this point. But yeah, it's just Tesla. I mean, of course, there's the car company, there's the Tesla coil, there's a, a a scientific you know unit of measurement called a Tesla. So I just yeah. it just rolls off the tongue so well. But I will call him Nico. Okay. Nico is my boy. I'll correct you. Okay, yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you might need to. Um, so yeah, so what I knew about him was, I mean, I had heard of Tesla coils, wasn't, and I knew what they kind of looked like, but I wasn't mm-hmm. really sure why why he made them or what the story was with them. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew about the, the push to get a Tesla museum, which uh, the webcomic, the very, very popular webcomic, The Oatmeal, started because he did a comic about Tesla and what a cool, you know, geeky, awesome person he was and how, yeah, they were trying to start a Tesla museum. So I had read that. So I'd known that and I'd known that he was a pretty eccentric guy, but oh man, (laughs) he's, he is interesting. (laughs) So let's get right into this. All right. So he was born in July of 1856. Okay. So this was a long time ago. (laughs) I mean, not that long, but you know, um, he was born in the Austrian Empire, what is now Croatia. Okay. If you don't know your your Eastern European geography, you know, it's like south of it's, Austria. It's changed co- a bit yeah. over the years. Yeah. Europe has kind of, yeah, it's kind of a blob. Yeah. Anyway, so he was the fourth of five children. Uh, his only brother, who was the, uh, the oldest, died when Nico was just five. And mm. apparently that really was hard on him and partly why he you know always wanted to work really hard was to be as cool as his brother was because he probably really really looked up to him Hmm. Uh, his dad was a priest his mom was his mom sounds awesome i think i i wanted to almost like do a whole episode on her because she sounds like Hmm. such a cool lady nico um basically attributed all of his awesomeness to his mother okay his mother was this like memorizer like really great memory photographic memory which nico also had Hmm. and was just a a tinkerer like she would actually invent little um like household machines like she made a mechanical egg beater was like i just feel like making a mechanical egg beater today i'm I'm tired of like (laughs) you know like doing it with the fork i'll just make this little yeah so she clearly was really really smart and uh, probably amazing so that was his you know family background and there was this really weird anecdote I read about. So there's a legend that the night he was born, he was born around midnight between mm-hmm. July 9 and July 10. So he's officially born July 10th, that there was a lightning storm 
Okay. <laughs> while he was, while she was in labor, like around the time he was going to be born. And the midwife was like, oh man, this lightning storm is really bad signs. It's a bad omen. You know, like you shouldn't have babies during lightning storms. Just hold and, it in. Yeah. He's going to be, he's going to be some kind of like evil, like child of darkness <laughs> and all this stuff. And his mom was like, no, he's going to be a child of light. So lightning and yeah. electricity is like just part of this guy apparently he was and this just reinforces her characterization as doc brown yes exactly <laughs> there you go there you go uh so he was really really good in school mm-hmm. he was he again he has a photographic memory he can picture really complicated things in his head barely has to write anything down and, and later in life he would design whole things without ever actually sketching anything he would just, it's like he had a 3D printer in his brain yeah. and would just see every layer and be able to, you know, see it from every angle and just completely understand it just in his mind hmm. and then just build it out of nowhere. So, um, but anyway, so he did that even when he was young, he would do really complex math, like integral calculus in his head and would just write down the answer. Most people used to actually write it down what they were doing. So yeah, so in school, he had to actually go to some lengths to convince the teachers he wasn't cheating Uh, off of anybody or just getting the answers. Yeah, because he would just write down the answer to something that probably required 20 separate calculations that the teacher wanted to see written out, of course. See, I would try to do that in calculus too when I didn't know the answer. I'd be like, I'm just going to guess. Yeah. You know, the limit is (laughs) 2.43. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. So, so <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, does really well in school, graduates early, you know, advanced everything. Around age 17, he got a really, really bad bout of cholera mm. and almost died several times. Took him nine months to get better. So he's basically bedridden Yikes. for nearly a year. And uh, his dad wanted him to be a priest, but um, <laughs> apparently Nico kind of was like, well, you know, if I get better, I mean, what if I went to engineering school? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Dad, I mean, my dying wish is to go to engineering school. <laughs> and his dad was like, okay, fine, just don't die. Nico, Nico is a smart guy. Yeah, so he's, you know, a little manipulative. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I dig it. So that's Maybe I mean, he got better at five months, yeah. but really he was holding out for engineering school. I mean, I was school. super paraphrasing, but basically, yeah, he was like, <laughs> I really want to do that. And so his dad was like, okay, fine. Um, so he recovers and he is a germaphobe for the rest of his life, mm, like super hand washer. It sounds like, um, just in general, and we'll get more into this later, but it sounds like he had obsessive compulsive disorder, perhaps. Mm. Um, some people have thought about that. Again, I actually find it fascinating when we yeah. uh, diagnose people after the fact based on just what, you know, what people said about them and, or, or their notes and whatever that they left behind. Like, Oh, this yeah, person is, had what manic is that depression. Even like retro diagnosis or something. <laughs> Posthumous diagnosis. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, like super delayed. I mean, cause it's, you know, yeah. from people hundreds of years ago, if not more, I, I actually super find that interesting, but huh. I don't know with what degree of certainty we can say yeah. that, but it does sound like there was, a little bit of OCD happening. Um, I guess he liked doing things in threes a lot. Hmm. So he would like, sometimes he would walk around a block and be like, I got to do it two more times. Or I got to wash my hands three times. Yeah. And some stuff like that. So anyway, so that kind of set up that his germophobia, apparently he also really liked wearing white gloves. How classy. <laughs> I mean, he was a really snazzy dresser. Oh yeah. He, so he was not of the mindset that it, like, like Einstein where it was like, why would I bother doing my hair? That's right. a waste of time. Tesla was very much into, no, no, no. If you are successful, you also look successful. Hmm. So he um, 
apparently someone was saying as I was reading, one of his biographers was saying that he was very conscious of his good side whenever someone would take a photo of him so you'll you'll tend to notice if you look at a lot of pictures of Tessa that he uh-huh. kind of always has this you know shoulder in the foreground it's like this, this is my good shoulder yeah it's kind of a glamour shot I mean it's like mm. so he he was very aware of his appearance and he really liked uh looking good huh and he was apparently a really good looking guy he was also he's 64 Really oh, wow. pretty skinny, actually. Like I think he was like weighed like one forty something, and he's six four. So he must have just been really, really lanky. <laughs> but um, but yes, he had a you know a very very good looking face. A dapper scientist. Yes, super super dapper. Like very well kept hair, like parted in the middle. The whole 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 thing. Parted in the middle. A classic. <laughs> <laughs> he had many combs, I would imagine. <laughs> so he goes to Austrian Polytechnic. Mm-hmm. year one is the superstar student takes more classes than everybody aces every single one of them starts a you know a, starts clubs outside of his class sleeps like two hours a day mm. two to four hours every day is just doing nothing but working and studying he was just amazing one of the deans sent his dad a letter and said your son's amazing bro and that's exactly what it said <laughs> Not paraphrasing at all. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, so he was just superstar student. Huh. Not so in year two. Oh, what This happened? kind of sets up a pattern that I have that I noticed as I was kind of going through his life of lots of ups and downs. Mm. Nico, uh, yeah, like his, his trajectory is a wave, which is... Which works because he was very into different kinds of waves. Um, but anyway, so year two uh, did not go well. He actually had a disagreement with a professor about something that related to his later work about mm-hmm. all the pieces you need um, for dynamos. He was like, I don't think that you need that commutator. This makes no sense to me, but that's okay. Yeah. Basically, he had an argument with a professor and the professor kind of told him that he was you know, to be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, this, is, this all needs to be here. You know, stop it. And, you know... I th- it seems like that was kind of an impetus for things falling apart. So he, yeah, didn't finish his classes, lost his scholarship, mm. um, just dropped out of school. Or no, no, it's like he dropped out after year three. But it just kind of set off this, I don't know, this whole cascade. He he got addicted to gambling. I mean, it was like, oh, what the what just happened? Okay. So yeah, drops out in year three. So never finishes college. Mm. So never actually gets college his engineering degree. Out. Yeah. Apparently doesn't need one though, because he did fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, he so he goes back after year three, you know, totally embarrassed. Like tries to actually keep from his family that he dropped out of school. His uncles, you know, pulled together some money to try to send him to a different school, but he didn't meet one of the actual entrance requirements because he didn't speak Czech, and it, he always spoke um. German, and it was just ah. Um, so he audited some classes, but never never got a degree. So then he kind of starts bouncing around working for uh, telegraph companies and things. He worked, moved to Budapest and worked at the Budapest uh, Telegraph Company. And then he was for like one year, then goes to France and works at the Continental Edison Company. Mm-hmm. And then he got, he wanted to move to America. He wanted to move to New York. So he got a letter from someone at the Edison Company written to Thomas Edison uh, so that he could go get a job in New York at uh, Edison's company there. And the, the note said... <clears throat> My dear Edison, I know two great men and you are one of them. The other is this young man. Wow. Give him a gerb. <laughs> and he did. And Edison had him murdered. No, yeah. he, he hired him. So here's where we get into, there's a whole lore about Tesla versus Edison. Okay. Some of it is true. Some of it seems like it's been overblown, but here we go. So he goes and works for Edison. 
uh, he's and Edison gives him this basically like a challenge. He was he's like, oh, yeah, I could actually use someone to redesign these direct current DC. This will come in later. This, this generator. Uh-huh. And I want it to work, you know, be more efficient, be this, be that. And Tesla was like, yeah, I can do all of that. <laughs> and it basically was like almost an impossible task in Edison's mind. But he was like, mm. yeah, I would like it to work a little bit better. And Tesla was like, I will make it work a bazillion times better. It'll be awesome. You just wait. And Edison said, well, if you do, I'll give you a million dollars. Okay. Which at the time was truly, it was about 50 grand at the time, which is about a million dollars now. So I'm, huh. I'm doing it in current yeah, dollar yeah. amount, but it really was like, well, if you do that, buddy, well, I'll give you a million dollars. And so Tesla did in a couple of months, did everything that he had promised he would do because wow. he was uh, brilliant and was like, so now give me my million dollars. And as Edison Crickets. was like, um, <laughs> that was a joke. It's like, do you understand how jokes work? Yeah. So, so it was actually a really big problem because Tesla, I mean, he's really smart. Like, I don't know if it was just like a language barrier. Yeah. I mean, like, te- I mean, ap- apparently Edison said, Edison said something to the effect of, oh, you just don't understand our American sense of humor yet. I was just kidding, yo. So I don't know if it was just like a cultural thing or if maybe he was on the autism spectrum a little bit and actually didn't pick up on that. It was a joke. Whatever. Yeah. Either way, very big miscommunication. Hmm. Nico uh, Nico thought he was going to get a million dollars and did not. That's sad. It makes me think of like a kid who you're, you know, you say that too. Yeah. It's like, like, oh, you do that. We'll go to Disneyland. Yeah. It's like, wait, but you said what? (laughs) Um, Edison did offer him a raise. But uh, not a million dollar. But, raise. Yeah, not a million dollar raise. Um, a pretty like a, a, a good but not a, like out of out of this world raise. And but Tesla, sorry, Nico was just like, bye. Sorry, hmm. you're a jerk. Like how like that was not cool. Worst million dollars Edison <sighs> never spent. Yeah. I mean, they did like the relationship between them. Some people say that they just hated each other. Mm. But again, I was reading um, some notes from to the two people that have written biographies on Tesla and they kind of were saying it was more like maybe maybe it was a little love hate but that there was a lot of mutual respect there although um some people say that that Edison did totally dismiss him at first and had no Mm. idea like who he was dealing with and who this person was going to be and probably if he could go back in time would have handled that differently yeah (laughs) but Edison you know did sound like honestly a, a jerk he wasn't he was a marketer, like he wasn't in things, you know, for the science and the discovery and the romance of it, like which Tesla was, mm-hmm. sorry, Nico was. Edison was like, no, how is this going to make me money? That's all I care about. So that was, that was kind of his bottom line all the time. Hmm. Anyway, so, uh, so Tesla bounces back pretty fast. He finds people that are willing to invest in him and starts the Tesla Electric Light and Manufacturing Company. Okay. Starts uh, building arc light-based illumination systems, does all this work. Um, he patents things but under the company's name and he's not really taking like a big salary he's mostly getting stock options and then the people that invested in him squeezed him out so tesla got yeah so tesla just (laughs) got like he got nothing he got squeezed out of this adventure that he that has his name on it poor nico and didn't really get anything and they then the patents weren't in his name they were in you know the company's name whatever um So they, they, they got him out. So he was left with nothing. So he actually was like a repairman and a ditch digger for a while. Uh, Well, so here we go again with this ups and downs. So he has like a company in his name. And then a year later, he's digging ditches. 
for $2 a day. Woo, woo, woo. It's like this, I mean, this, this life path is just crazy to me. Anyway, so then he starts another company because the word gets around that there's a brilliant guy digging ditches, (laughs) basically. (laughs) Neighbors were talking. Yeah. So, um, so he, another company, Tesla Electric Company. Now he gets to do what he has wanted to do for a couple of years now, which is build an alternating current system okay. as opposed to the direct current system that Edison has been using. And um, the difference being... Right. The, the basic difference... Um, so there were these current wars. Um, basically, DC current would have required a power station on like every block, mm. really, for for it to power like, you know everything like it does now uh ac current um alternates and sends it much more efficiently over long distances okay so we i mean we could do a whole show on that so i'm not going to spend too much time because i have so much to get through but but yeah so he but he was interesting and interested in alternating current and no one was really taking him seriously because dc edison was already using it so everyone kind of was like no no we have this dc thing like what are you talking Mm. about what are you doing so anyway he finally got to build his uh his you know, his induction motor based on, on AC. And then he did some demos and got the attention of Westinghouse, which Mm -hmm. was like, Hey, this looks really good. We should buy this. So they paid him a big lump sum, gave him royalties, gave him stock. And then they kind of hired him as a consultant where he was making bank, like a million dollars a month. And like the equivalent of now, like just bananas amounts of money. So cool yeah <laughs> success yeah and this so and that westinghouse investing in his ac was what really started like the current wars and this is where you might have heard and it's true that edison and a professor that worked with edison were actually electrocuting animals in public using ac to say like look how dangerous it is you shouldn't uh-huh. use ac current look how bad it is uh, and they they're Apparently there was a, a you know a murderer who was going to be executed, and they were like, "Oh, let's let's do it with the electric chair for the first time. We'll oh use AC current." God. But it was a terrible design for the so like oh god yeah so it was just abs- like the most gruesome thing you can imagine. And they used AC current to just try to keep on the bad press for Tesla's AC because they were like, "It's the worst, isn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, "Yep, yeah. this is terrible." <laughs> the the turning point was when uh, the Westinghouse uh, Corporation won the bid for being the uh, the electricity provider to the Chicago World's Fair. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they did a great job and they, cause they put in the bid for like half of what Edison's company was asking for mm-hmm. to, to, you know, use to do electricity for the whole event. And it was, it went off without a hitch. It looked great. And then um, Tesla was hired or Nico, excuse me, was hired to um, build the hydroelectric power plant at the, Ni- at Niagara Falls, mm. which then powered like all of Buffalo and yeah. was also really awesome. And was like, this AC thing is super great, you guys. <laughs> uh, so that kind of was what started moving things in AC's favor. Uh. Um, but um but anyway, and then, so the the AC-DC wars are ending. The band wars, sorry. <laughs> the current wars are ending. Um, and then some J.P. Morgan, super, super rich guy, tried was trying to basically manipulate the stock markets uh-huh. to squeeze Westinghouse until it had no money left and would sell him those patents. Mm, stand-up guy, sounds like. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Is there a term for that? Kind of like... Manip- like extorting yeah well but just like when you actually i mean it kind of reminds me of what just happened with gawker where it's like oh let's just throw lawsuits at you until you die right it was like kind of like that except he was using the stock market and i don't even know how you have that much control of it but anyway that's what he was doing and hmm. so then this is 
this is a really big piece because what that made Westinghouse do, Mm because they were like so cash strapped and they were like, we're going to lose these patents because uh, our you know, commission and uh, royalties to Tesla are so big, we're going to die here and then JP Morgan will win. So they called Tesla up and said, well, they didn't call him. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) They're like, hey, will you let us off of some of our financial responsibilities to you so that we can not lose all these patents and lose all this whatever? Mm -hmm. And Tesla tore up the contract and said, sure. No. He was like, yeah, don't, you don't have to give me anything else. Like we won, you know, let's just, cause he was not in it for the money. He also thought he had a lot more inventions, you know, coming down his way that, or that he was going to develop. So he was not worried at all. He was like, I'll just invent something else. Cool. Like, don't even <laughs> worry about it. And truly, which is bananas. And yeah. so that was kind of the end of that. So Westinghouse was fine. JP Morgan didn't, you know, his evil plan to like rule everything. Did it work? And, um, and then, yeah, and then Tesla kind of went off and was like, well, I'll just, I'll just open up a really big lab because he still had money. Yeah. And he still had all the money he had made. So he just opened up a lab in, in New York and just like started just playing around. He was like, this is great. It didn't really, that was like the last real money he saw though. Oh no. So what, yeah. What happened? Yeah. So, so this is where he gets into his like super just crazy mad scientist phase, <laughs> which sounded like a blast. Yeah. Um, this is when he invents the Tesla coil because um, he's, he wants to build these AC generators that can run at higher and higher speeds, but he like would kind of reach this ceiling where mm. it just, everything would fall apart, like literally. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and that was what made him, you know, tinker around enough and build this Tesla coil, which he patented, patented in 1891. And it could just do everything at much higher cycles. And yeah, it would just like send sparks through the air. <laughs> and it could wow. extre- it, uh, generate really high voltages. So it was just this really, really powerful thing. Um, with it, he developed some of the first neon and fluorescent lights. Hmm. Because I guess there wasn't enough power before. Because again, like yeah. Edison's light bulbs have really low efficiency. And they're probably at that time really dim. So Tesla is just like upping just the juice on everything. Because hmm. he's such a smart guy. Um, and, and he also took some x-ray photographs cause he was making such high energy waves. Oh no. <laughs> like, there's these pictures of his hand. It's like, hmm. but he knew something was, was not like cool. He was like, <laughs> I feel like maybe we shouldn't do this a lot. It kind of burns. <laughs> like, I think these might be dangerous. Like, yeah. so he, he had some good instincts that way. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you, it's something that can see through your body. Yeah. Maybe not completely safe. Yeah. Just note to self. And then when he was doing one of his, you know, test the coil uh, experiments, he lit a vacuum tube. So basically a light bulb uh, across across the room because mm-hmm. the electricity traveled through the air and, and lit up this light. And he was like, this is awesome. <laughs> so, Did he have any interns who were like cowering in the corner like, like crying? He's, he's God. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's only in his mid thirties at this point, right? Yeah. You're like forty. And yeah, late, he, late, late thirties. Does he yeah. look like a mad scientist, or is he still like perfectly? No, groomed? no, no. He's just like, oh no, I am. Uh, yeah, I'm Ryan Gosling. What's up? Um, so that this led to what was kind of the obsession for the rest of his life, which was the wireless transmission of energy. He was like, this is the future. He had all these ideas about being able to like shoot it into the ionosphere, and it would just like rain down on people, and you wouldn't need wires for anything. Which is like. Yeah, this was his, this is his thing. It was like a giant laser. Uh, that too. Oh. oh he he okay. called it his peace beam. 
we'll get there. Hold on. <laughs> and, um, and he's also really interested in sending radio signals over long distances. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So anyway, so that's so all this stuff is happening. Then there's a lab fire. Of course there is. His he's shooting electricity across the lab, like catching the interns on fire. Well, you say that like he should have known. I don't understand <laughs> why you're being it's so like, nothing, critical. Nothing about this looks dangerous or seems There's abnormal. just lightning everywhere. <laughs> Calm down. What's your problem? Perfectly natural. I was going to say, it's natural. <laughs> it's all it's natural. natural. How can it hurt you if it's natural? <laughs> He'll just put it in a bag. All natural lightning. It's like it's, it's, a, it's a tiger. It's natural. <laughs> <laughs> this snake venom is totes natural <laughs> organic um, yeah anyway so but anyway he, so he was working on radio stuff but that lab fire kind of set him back a little bit and that it was where um some marconi who's actually credited as being the inventor of the radio kind of started getting uh you know catching up to him hmm. uh so and th- this was kind of another like set of patent wars that was so hard to untangle. I was like, what is happening? So so Tesla had already patented some technology you need to make a radio. Mm-hmm. And Marconi tried to go in there afterwards and, and with just like very slight tweaks, tried to patent them too. His uh, Marconi's patents were denied because mm-hmm. they were so similar to Tesla's. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he kept on trying and trying and may have pulled some strings because he knew some really powerful people in Europe. I don't, this is like a whole other thing. Intrigue. But eventually he did get some of them. Hmm. So... Uh, so Marconi was credited with building, with ha- having the patent on the radio, got the Nobel Prize for the radio. But after Tesla died, the U.S. Supreme Court actually reversed their decision and, re- and gave the patent back to Tesla posthumously. Hmm. So it's a mess. Okay. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> There's radio <laughs> stuff happening. Radio stuff happened. Yes. And uh, around the same time, using using radio wa- wa- radio waves, he uh, Nico built the first remote controlled little gizmo he made a little boat what that just would go on the water and it was controlled by remote control and he demoed it for a bunch of people and people were like i don't understand (laughs) what's happening yeah so they they thought he they didn't understand how he could possibly be doing that because yeah he had a little control and it was you know it was was 10 feet away from him and it was doing things on his command they were like is he controlling it with his mind is this mind control like who is this guy but no one really saw any um, applications for it because he was so ahead of his time. Right. So he has a little bit of, you know, like Charles Babbage going on mm-hmm. right now. It's just like, I'm sorry, dog. Like, this would have been way <laughs> we don't better. Know what to do with yeah. You. Yeah. So, so he had some amazingly brilliant ideas and, you know, and actually built some of them, like this remote control. Some of a lot of the stuff he thought of was just that. He just thought of it. Mm. He thought about radar. He was like, hey, military, I've got this really great idea for how you can actually see what's in the water really far away from you and and they're like yeah no we're good thanks <laughs> we don't need that seriously so so Ugh. so things like radar he just thought up in his head and conceived of but remote control he actually built and no one cared <laughs> so anyway. well 10 year old boys and girls everywhere will appreciate that yeah <laughs> yeah um so and then he starts a new lab in colorado springs mm-hmm. he's like moving all around Builds this giant lab, builds this giant structure where he's going to try to, you know, create more and more energy and send it into the atmosphere. I mean, like just perfectly safe and natural. Totally. Yeah. Totally blows the power in Colorado Springs. And the city is like, what did you do? What are you doing? (laughs) 
so this this is like the, the crazy mad scientist sort of world. Okay, so so it was a 142 foot metal mast supporting a large copper ball. Totally normal stuff, you guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Doesn't Inside, look weird at all. Fits right into the city's architecture. Yeah, which is with a giant Tesla coil, <laughs> speci- uh, designed to send powerful electrical impulses into the Earth. Oh, good. Because he thought that maybe we could use the Earth to send electricity around. This guy. And this is actually where he figured out what the like resonant, the frequency of the Earth is. So he actually like huh. made some advances in Earth science because he figured out kind of what the frequency of the atmosphere is. And people later on were like, oh, my God, he was right. Collateral science. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yes. Our bonus science. Bonus science. <laughs> yeah. um, he had ideas about. Uh, tapping the sun's energy with an antenna and controlling the weather with with electricity um and yeah and he thought of this idea for yeah directing like this beam of electrons that would make basically be the the weapon that would end war it was kind of like it was kind of like he thought up an alternate to the atomic bomb mm-hmm. which which you know theoretically would end war because that was something that was important to him right um but yeah, I mean, I think it's a little naive to think that if you build a super weapon, it's like, well... Yeah, it's the whole deterrence yeah, strategy exactly. that, you know, yeah. kind of works. And he he thought of, a, you know, a global system of wireless communications where you'd have information and put it on different wavelengths and send it over distances and you'd get it in your, you know, you'd have a pocket device that would pick it up and, and you'd be able to get all kinds of information like on the stock market or information from your friend. I mean, he seriously that, thought That would have been up, cool if that had ever happened. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? It would be amazing. What would people do with it? What if I had in my pocket a small device that was able to access all of human knowledge Mm. that has ever been (laughs) gained? And then I could use it to argue with people. And catch Pokemon. Yes. And watch videos of cats getting brain freeze. Well, this is totally worth it. We should do it. So again, he was a futurist. A very smart guy mm-hmm. had some really great perspective on things, but he also, um, on one of his radio equip- uh, pieces of equipment, um, got some signals from something, and he thought it was aliens, as one does. So that didn't help with his credibility mm. in the scientific community because he was like, "You guys, aliens from Venus are talking to me," and they're like, "Oh." Okay. What was it? He probably was actually just picking up, you know, just signals from the universe or from like a faraway star, or yeah. like a, you know, oh, yeah, a, like a pulsar, a blo- or whatever. yeah, something. So he did pick something up, but it probably wasn't aliens. Yeah, you know, in science, I've discovered about reading, you know, all the stuff. Rarely to never aliens. Yeah, you go for aliens last. Yeah. You out you like rule out some other run stuff. Run through all of the other possible answers totally. before like magic. It's kinda comes like when you don't aliens. feel well, don't go straight to cancer diagnosis. Correct. Like rule some stuff out and yeah. then <laughs> Do you have a headache? It's probably not a brain tumor. No. I mean it probably, might be. Yeah. But probably But not. let's rule out stress first. Dehydration. Totally. Are you hungry? <laughs> Let's just go there first, shall we? Just, it's a good, it's a good life lesson to have, you know, in in the world. Mm -hmm. Take it easy. Probably not alien. True story. One time I really did look something up on WebMD, like the one time, and I kid you not, it said that I either had AIDS or cancer. Mm. I I closed the tab. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't talking to tons of people who who have done exactly this. They're like, well, it said I had cancer. And then, you know. Yeah, I was like, okay. They have the flu or they stubbed their toe or something. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go watch Netflix again because I think that was a better use of my time. (laughs) 
So now we're getting to a really big deal. Hmm. What? The last big push, which is Wardenclyffe Tower. This is on Long Island. Okay. And this is part of Tesla's, sorry, Nico's big vision for like wireless energy being sent everywhere and like radio sent everywhere. And hmm. it's going to be amazing. He was going to build this gigantic structure that was going to be, you know, this wireless communication system. Hmm. And he got money from our friend JP Morgan. Good old JP. <laughs> Friggin Not a jerk at all. Friggin Jay. Whatever, Jay. So anyway, <laughs> so he gets money from Jay. And he's going to build this, basically a radio tower. That mm -hmm. bonus would also send wireless, you know, um, energy energy to everybody. And it'd be the so cool. Yay. Uh, so he starts building it. Um, did not really have enough money from the get-go from, from JP Morgan. Mm. But was like, let's just go. <laughs> so starts building it. Uh, starts running out of money. Goes back to JP Morgan. Was like, oh, hey, what's up? I just need some more money. And J.B. Morgan's like, wait, what? You just you said you could do what? And then around the same time was when Marconi, our friend over in Europe, who was working on radio stuff and trying to you know get patents and whatever and mm -hmm. you know, go around Tesla, uh, actually does send the first radio transmission over the Atlantic Ocean. Oh. So before that, he, it was really short distances, and Tesla wasn't concerned. There's this another kind of famous quote of his is like, oh, just let him play. Like he's using all of my patents. Like it's cool. Like. <laughs> whatever he's using 17 of my patents like i'm not worried kind of thing yeah he was on other things right so but marconi sent the first he sent the letter s over the atlantic ocean and it was like this big first and this really big deal and so jp morgan was like dude you're building a radio tower you told me that we we're going to be able to do all this cool stuff this this guy just did it mm. i'm not giving you any more money Ugh. forget it forget it buddy so it was this total failure. Like they, you know, he goes into foreclosure. Tesla, Nico declares bankruptcy. They sell what they have already built for scrap. It was just this terrible, terrible chapter. And he has a complete nervous breakdown. Oh. So that was sort of like in terms of his real kind of, you know, inventor career, that was kind of the end of it. Mm. And he was just in his 40s. Oh, my so he, yeah, he kind of, you know, put himself back together more or less. And um, Westinghouse, so way back when, when they, you know, the AC, DC mm -hmm. current stuff, and they were, you know, they, you know, they gave him all that money. And he, that's when he developed, you know, alternating current, you know, motors and stuff. They heard about what he was going through and they kind of gave him a stipend every month just so that he would be able to take care of himself and not be this you know, disgraced homeless person after yeah. all that he'd gone through. So they did kind of lend him a hand, especially since he'd been so cool yeah, earlier. So yeah, that's, so that's nice. Which is nice. I totally agree. So he had some time to to be at home and, and still kind of tinker and uh and this this was when he had ideas about like the the death beam slash peace beam. <laughs> this like char this charged particle. <laughs> I could just beam see him weapon. like he's like showing a friend like this is the death beam and they're like you might want to rebrand this. Yeah. And he's like, dude, it's, it's going to be totally cool. You guys, you can kill 10,000 people from 200 miles away. And they're like, whoa, okay. Um, but anyway, um, his last patent was when he, uh, that he, that he got was when he was 72. He, he conceived of this, uh, apparatus for aerial transportation, which basically looks like a current, um, military plane that can just, you know, like, not the helicopters, but the ones that have the two propellers, and then they can also just fly like planes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Kind of? Oh, yeah. What are they called? Yeah, so it was a flying machine that resembled both a helicopter and an airplane, 
And the device weighed about, he said it would weigh about 800 pounds and it would arrive from a garage or a roof or a window and then be for military or consumer use. So that's who he just conceived of it. And that was his final patent. So he was still hmm. kind of tinkering or just kind of mind tinkering away. Yeah. Um, he wasn't a big fan, fan of Einstein's theories. <laughs> <laughs> that Einstein, that really what a joker funny, which is so funny because they're so similar <laughs> that they just kind of sit back and just think yeah um but yeah he was like i don't buy this like maybe he, that's why they can communicate so they're all in their yeah their he just thought about i think because he was such an electricity guy he just thought about energy so differently and he was mm. just like not all matter has energy I, I just yeah the whole idea of it he was just like nah einstein doesn't know what he's talking about <laughs> So in the twilight of his life, he, again, like, I think the, some of the OCD stuff like really took over. So he was, and he got really into pigeons. What? Yeah. So even though he was really a germaphobe, which I think the technical phobia term is mesophobia, if you're really afraid of germs or, or, you know, dirtiness in general, Mm -hmm. uh, even though he was still like a big hand washer and, you know, like was, and would only eat boiled food, like, because he was just like, so like afraid of any kind of germ yeah he would go to the park and just be like have like pigeons all over him like that pigeon lady in in um, no. what was that a uh, home alone 2 the pigeon lady remember yeah, her yeah, yeah so kind of like that he would and if one was injured he would take it home with him and he would build you know contraptions to have their wings heal and he had one that always came to his his apartment and he would feed her and he was like oh she's the best pigeon ever we have this bond so yeah so he he kind of yeah. Like, so wait, he never married? No, he was not interested. I And he, I think at the time he was like, oh, that's a distraction. Mm-hmm. Like doing my hair is not a distraction. Like wearing a really <laughs> nice outfit to dinner is not a distraction. But I think that he kind of was like, I think it was partly like he didn't feel like he deserved a woman. Like maybe he thought his mom was so cool. He was like, I could never live up to mm. to to that or, or I would never be a good partner. I don't know. But he, for whatever reason, was, yeah, totally celibate, like total bachelor, never anything. Except for the pigeons. Later, apparently he, he was quoted saying that he kind of regretted that and mm. felt like maybe he was a little too hard on himself and maybe he should have, you know, let himself have have some love in his life. <laughs> Um, but, but it probably was hard for someone who's so particular. Like he was there, there's a story about um, his secretary coming to work wearing pearls Mm -hmm. and he hated pearls so much (laughs) that he made her go home and change her necklace. Cause he was like, pearls are the worst. (laughs) Yeah. I can see how dating might've been difficult for him. (laughs) Just, you know? Yeah. So he was. At yeah. least he had companionship in animals. Yes. Dirty, disgusting he had animals. Some pigeons. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just PSA. Pigeons are flying rats. Please don't touch them. Don't spread disease. At least he washed his hands all the time, which yeah. is probably I think the that only came reason handy. he didn't die and kill everyone with him. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, pigeons. No one. No one's a big fan of pigeons. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to be anti-pigeon. But yeah, I have no that's problem being it. <laughs> not a good plan to to yeah have them all over you a lot. Yeah, they have lots of they can have parasites and you know things. So yeah, be careful. Be careful about pigeons, you guys. Yeah, just throw bread at them yes. from a distance. And he he passed away in 1943. Mm. Not a good time in the world. Yeah, you can see why he was thinking things about peace beams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. So again, I think that the kind of theme of Nikola Tesla's life is lots of ups and downs. Mm. 
Um, of course, he contributed a lot and he had some amazing ideas that were um, up totally ahead of his time. And that is hard to hear. It's so, it's so bittersweet and just, it's heart wrenching. Yeah. Like, oh, he invented a remote controlled little boat and people were just like, this guy's weird. <laughs> and that, but I think that yeah. I misunderstood. Yeah. Being misunderstood. Like no one wants to feel that way, but I don't know if you've ever felt misunderstood you have, a, you know, there's this kindred spirit in Tesla who totally knows how that feels. <laughs> have you ever feel like you're just in that group and you're like, I don't belong here. Yeah. Like, well, you're just like Tesla. And he was cool. <laughs> so don't worry about it. No one knew it. No. Well, yeah. people knew it. I mean, yeah, he, he was... was really good friends with Mark Twain, which I thought was really cool. Oh, really? Yeah. Mark Twain's hair must have driven him crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, dude, brush your hair. You look like crap. <laughs> What are you doing? Well, I think, I mean, brunch might be awkward with Nico, but I'd be willing to try. He was, it, people said that he was really funny mm-hmm. and like, you know, kind of a, kind of a goofball and stuff. So it's, he, he was just, there's so many kind of contradictions. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the theme of his life. Lots of ups and downs, lots of contradictions. Cause yeah, he's really, really smart, but he doesn't think Einstein knows what he's talking about. It's like, well, that's weird. That's well, it's unexpected. I mean, he sounds like a strange cat, but a good guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and as, as far as the Edison stuff goes, um, I think that if you've ever read about that, I mean, people will really try to say that they were just like constantly just at each other and hated each other. And, yeah. But it was more like it was sort of like a Bill Gates, Steve Jobs kind of situation. Kenny's doing finger guns right now, by the I'm, way. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of moving around now. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so there was a lot of respect there, too, mm-hmm. supposedly. But again, it kind of depends on which account you're reading. Because, you know, yeah. this was a long time ago. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You can't really yeah. trust the records that are kept sometimes. But, you know, we have electricity, and that's how we're powering this podcast. So <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> and there isn't a, a power station on every single block like Edison yeah. would have would have had it. So. That's nice. And by the time that all that infrastructure was down and someone was like, oh, you guys, we don't actually need this, might have been like, oh, well, we already have it. So, <laughs> well. <laughs> so thanks, Tesla. Yeah. I'm really glad there isn't a power station on every block. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Okay, so what was like the most interesting thing that you took away from all this research of Nico? I think what's interesting about him is maybe just like, I don't know, there was something about how many different companies there were and how many different fund people, you know, took a chance on him and just, he must have, I can't imagine what it would be like being in a, in a room with him because he must have been just such a presence because People don't just throw money at you for no reason. Mm. He must have just been like, you must have just known you were in the presence of genius when you're around him or something. Hmm. Because, because man, oh man, like yeah. everywhere he went, people were like, here's some money. Just do that thing you were going to do, which is crazy to me. I mean, I think the craziest thing for me is the devices that he was building sound so over the top nuts. Like if you were building a set for a crazy mad scientist movie like that that would be your go-to look and And i think that's why i think people were like oh what should this person's lab look like yeah like doc brown or something should there be lightning strike beams everywhere (laughs) yes yes so he i mean he he is that archetype i think that's what everybody's actually trying to emulate is oh well would tesla have have built it then sure this you know crazy mad scientist character should then too yeah 
So that's it for this episode of Science Brunch. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, Twitter is really good. Oh, well, thank you. And uh, we'll see you next time.